Welcome to Math Mutation, a podcast where we discuss fun, interesting, or just plain weird corners of mathematics that you would not have heard in school. Recording from Hillsboro, Oregon, this is Eric Seligman, your host. And now, on to the math. Math Mutation 67. Chaos. Last week I made the mistake of trying to feed applesauce and yogurt to my 19-month-old daughter in a single sitting, and letting her use the spoon and handle the small open bowls by herself. As I cleaned up the resulting disaster, it occurred to me that I had yet to do a podcast on chaos theory. In addition, this topic has been in the news lately due to the death of one of its modern founders, American climate scientist Edward Lorentz. Not a mathematician by trade, Lorentz got involved in this area back in 1960 when he was implementing early computer models of how air moves around in the atmosphere. He was hastily trying to rerun some calculations, and the second time around, to save time, he rounded off some input values to only a couple of decimal digits. Percentage-wise, this was a minuscule change in the values. But he was surprised to see that when he reran his simulation, he got completely different results. This led to a fundamental insight that certain classes of functions, now known as chaotic functions, can generate widely varying results due to a very slight change in input conditions. This leads to the famous butterfly effect where in certain models, the flapping of a butterfly's wings in Texas can eventually make the difference in whether a tornado strikes Brazil. We should also point out that while Lorentz founded modern chaos theory, the general concepts were known and discussed by mathematicians since Poincaré in 1890. But the existence of modern computers is what's made its study practical. As a simple example, let's look at the function f of x equals x squared plus one quarter and see what happens when we continually iterate it or apply the function again and again to its own result. If we start with one-half, you'll see that the function yields itself. One-half squared plus one-quarter is one-half. So we repeatedly just get one-half forever if we iterate it. Not that exciting. If you apply zero, you first get a quarter, then 0.3125, then approximately 0.3477, and if you repeat enough times, you'll find the result gets closer and closer to a half. Try a few other numbers between zero and a half, and you'll see similar results. The iteration always eventually brings you to a half. But now try a number just slightly higher, like 0.51. It's only off by 2%, so you should get to a result that's pretty close, right? Wrong. You'll see that the results of this process veer off to infinity for any number greater than a half. It turns out that the range of numbers with absolute value less than or equal to a half all lead to the result of one half, which is known as an attractor. For any number greater than a half, this process leads off to infinity. If you follow the references in the show notes, you'll see much cooler multidimensional function plots where the attractor is a solid in three space instead of just a single value. That is, it's a set of three-dimensional values, which can be plotted to look like a solid, that various ranges of inputs will tend to lead to. Lorentz discovered one such object known as the Lorentz attractor. You should see that while chaotic functions display fundamental changes in output based on slight changes in input conditions, they are still fully deterministic without any true random element. The results may seem random to us, but that is entirely a result of not having precise enough knowledge of the correct input conditions. If I had precise knowledge of the workings of my daughter's brain and measured to the nanometer exactly where I initially placed the bowls, perhaps I could figure out exactly where each blob of yogurt or applesauce would end up on her and my clothing. But unfortunately, at my knowledge level, I'm doomed to have to guess the results and deal with the apparent randomness. So what does chaos theory mean in practice? The fundamental insight is that even if a process is fully deterministic and scientifically modeled, it may be impossible for us to accurately know the result if there's even the slightest uncertainty about the inputs. 
When someone presents you with a computer simulation claiming to prove something, you first have to ask whether they're analyzing a chaotic function, and if so, how precise do they really have the starting conditions? So any scientists in a discipline that uses computer simulations and modeling must be aware of and consider chaos theory. In part, this provides an explanation for why TV weather prediction is so often inaccurate. No matter how good the models are, there's never truly enough knowledge of the inputs to guarantee a correct result. And this has been your Math Mutation for today.